You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. blast on a special meeting that we're going to be holding on July the 19th and it is sent out to all members because we're going to be we actually have revised our constitution made some changes there to protect us from some of the legalities that are going on around our country um, with marriage and so did did everyone receive that or most people receive that just give, give me a sign of hands if you have good 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 that's a good number um, if you didn't receive that maybe you don't even have an email and you're a member of LWC, um, would you please maybe stop at the information center and there is, at, or actually go to the gathering and on the, at the small groups uh, and the information counter, uh, they will give you a, a, a letter and a packet on, to give you information on the meeting so that everyone will be on the same page. Very important meeting, that July 19th following second service. Well, we, we are, at the end of our series that we started on Easter, and I'm, I'm really excited. We, we didn't go through the whole book of Acts, but we, we went through half of it, and we got the gist of the importance that Easter's not the end of the story, and that it progresses on because the church is not complete yet. God is still adding to the church daily those who are being saved. In fact, the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that does not have a conclusion. Every book in the Bible has a conclusion. It has a, uh, a salutation where, where uh, a writer will say, you know, this is Paul and give you my farewell and things like that, or Peter. But Acts does not have a farewell, and the reason for that is because Acts is supposed to continue. And uh, people are coming to faith, and pe when people come to faith, you're being built into this spiritual house. In fact, uh, the Bible says that you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So the church is not a building, and we say that at Living Word Chapel a lot, right? It's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not the name on our building. It's his people. And we're all being built up together, and, and there's different denominations, sister churches, that are a part of the church. Amen? We're not the old, Living Word Chapel is not the only church, and, and the church down the road is not the only church, even when we sometimes think we're the only church, which we never should. We're not. We're the body of Christ, and Christ is the, the, the cornerstone, and uh, each person is being built up on, uh, on him. Yet last, yesterday, we... We did some work uh, getting started in our children's center. And if you walk outside today and you go to the, the cafe or you go out there and hang out and you, you fellowship with, with other believers, which is what we should do, shouldn't run out of church, you should talk with people. And, you know, if you go that way and you go to the cafe and then you look in the breezeway to the children's center and you come out, you're going to see the, the wall that was being built up. And they, they put the, 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 the one block one block on top of the other, and they, and they put mortar, and, and, and they built it, and they had the, a cornerstone. They had a corner block 
that had to be precise so that everything would fit the right way. Well, Jesus is that cornerstone. The foundation of our faith is on Jesus Christ. And so if he is the foundation, we're in good hands. But God calls us to have outside-of-the-box faith. We can't put the Holy Spirit in a religious box. We can't put God the Father in a box that limits the power of the Almighty. We can't put Jesus' sacrifice in a box of this person can get saved and this person can get saved. We've seen that in our, in, our, in our series. We have seen that God can save anybody. We have seen that His grace is sufficient for all. It's an amazing grace. We have seen that the Father had a plan from the very beginning, and that plan was to send His Son to atone for the sins of mankind. And, and the church, the church is a vibrant, exciting place where things happen better than the world. There's two entities. There's the church, and that's where God's people dwell, and then there are, it's the world where, where that's, I have to say this, where the devil's people are, and that's where we were at one time. We were led by, 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 we were sons of disobedience, and we were led by the ruler of this world. The ruler of this world is Satan. And so when we think about outside-the-box faith, we have, to, we have to think about this. Men try to put God in a religious box. The Holy Spirit reveals that God transcend, transcends our puny limitations, and He calls us to exercise faith in a God that has no limitations and no restrictions. Nothing can restrict God. Nothing can stop God. Nothing can limit God. Every move of God in the, in the church has always been a powerful move of the Almighty. It's always shaken up people. I was talking to someone about the charismatic movement this morning, and I said, you know, when the charismatic movement came to, and, it, and the Holy Spirit moved through all of the churches worldwide, the church was shaken. The church was, was woken up. And you find out that you cannot put God in a religious box. You cannot put God and limit Him. You can't tell God what to do. A church, a, a pastor, a, a denominational leadership cannot tell God this is the way we do things. That's just not the way it works. Because He's God. And He wants to take us out of our boxes. He wants to take us out of our limitations. He wants to take us out of our restrictions. So I, I, I want to end with Acts chapter 12. And I want to read verses 1 through 11. And I want us to look there at a story of, of, uh, of, of Peter and some, something he faces. And King Agrippa is going to be a part of it. And, and we're going to find that King Agrippa, he killed James, the brother of John. 
One of the great apostles, he killed killed them by the sword. Let me tell you, ISIS didn't start. ISIS is not the beginning of people being killed for the name of Jesus. That's not the beginning of being beheaded, okay? It started way back when. We're praying for Charleston right now. We're praying for Charleston because we know that the devil hates Christians and he'll use people to do his work. So let's look at Acts 12 and then we'll talk about it. Father, thank you for every person here on Father's Day. I pray your anointing upon your word. Pray your anointing on your vessel. I pray, Lord God, that as we, as we hear your word, as we read, that hearts, we say this, Lord, that hearts will be receptive. I just pray for that to happen today, that minds will be open, Lord God, that all the busyness in the minds right now, Lord, that every person will, will take that clutter out right now and just say, let me just be on task. Let me listen to the word. Let me hear what, what this pastor has to say. And Father, I pray that I won't get in your way, that I'll just be a vessel, Lord God, of your grace and your love. And, and Father, that you'll just move in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you, move here. Move here. Have your way and bring glory to Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So the Bible says about that time, King Herod Agrippa, he began to persecute some believers in the church. Now, do you remember that we just looked earlier and and it says Paul was still breathing threats against the church? So two chapters later, it's not Paul anymore, it's Agrippa. And and, and what's he doing? He began to persecute some believers in the church. So it tells us that that once something stops, then it's probably going to continue and happen again later on. So Agrippa persecuted some believers in the church, and he had the apostle James, the brother of John, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter, and this took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads, of four soldiers each, and Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in in prison, the church prayed very very earnestly for him. church prayed very earnestly. Tell your neighbor the church prayed very earnestly. Tell someone that. I mean, you've got to move your lips to tell someone that. The church prayed. Tell someone. Let the devil hear that the church prays. Don't let it, don't, don't, don't be intimidated by people. You know, I, I'm just too cool to say that, Pastor. You're not that cool, bro. It's Father's Day, but you ain't that cool. The church prayed. And the night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep. And he, he was fastened with two chains between two soldiers, and others stood guard at the prison gate and suddenly there was a a bright light in the cell and i remember remember two chapters ago there was a bright light that came upon who come on come on saw now there's a bright light in the cell and the and an angel of the lord stood before peter and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and he said quick get up 
And the chains fell off his wrist, and the angels told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, and he followed the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision, he didn't realize that it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself, so they passed through, and they started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Because the angel's work was done. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Now this is outside the box Christianity because some of you right here, right now, you guys are like saying, Does, do these things happen? See, right now, some of you guys, you guys have never even, I mean, you, you, all of this is religion. All of, I'm going to church. I'm going to go hear that pastor. He's going to talk for a long time. That's all you think it is. Do these things happen? Do, do angels be, uh, are they dismissed? Are they, are they sent? Are they, are they used by God to, to help his people? Is, it, is, it a, is there an ability by God to, to free someone from a prison, from, to take them out of these chains and send them out? You have to understand that a Christian is supposed to live outside of the box. Outside of your box. Peter, come to me. Come walk on this water. Come. Peter was in a box. He had to get out of the box. Now he says, Peter, get up. I send an angel. Get up. Get up. Get dressed quickly, Peter. You, you've always dressed. It took you so long. Get up. Follow me. And he did. Now, I want you to think about something, beloved. If you, if you really want to know God, if you really want to know the Almighty, you've got to get out of your box. Some of you guys have a box from your homeboys in school. Really, you got, you're afraid what they're going to say about you. You're, you're afraid they're going to say, dude, you're one of those Christians, man. Well, it's better than being a devil worshiper, homeboy. I know what they do. How are you? Missy, you're, yeah, you know, Christian-like. Yeah. And I want to honor God with my life. So how, 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 do we get, how do we get out of the box? Three points to help you live out your faith outside the box. Point number one. Outside the box, faith understands that when the devil is doing something, God is always doing something bigger. When the devil is doing something in your life, when the devil is coming, when the devil sent that young man, that young man is a tool of the devil in Charleston, and went into a Bible study, and those people in that Bible study were loving on him. And he shot them all because he was used by the enemy. 
God will do something bigger. God's love will change hearts. Not hatred, love. You need to understand that the devil is always working to try, and he's trying to debunk your faith. He will try to discourage your enthusiasm. He wants to keep you personally, and especially keep the church from reaching your full potential. If the devil isn't working in your life, we need to ask ourselves a question. Am I a good friend of the enemy? If the devil's not working, if the devil's not coming at you, if you're not feeling persecution, if you're not facing things, you need to understand why is the devil so happy with me? Because when you start walking with God, when you allow Jesus to work through you, you become the devil's number one enemy. You become public enemy numero uno. The devil will use people as his vessels. Here's Peter. He, just think about Peter. He was taken by the... That's what we're talking about. He was, he was uh, brought by the angel and freed. But Peter, one day, was used by the devil. And he wanted to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. He said, Jesus, I won't let you go. I won't let you do that. And Jesus looked and he, he, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, Peter was not the devil. Just like the serpent was not the devil in the, in the beginning. In, in, in Genesis chapter 3, when that serpent, the serpent was just a part of creation. But the devil used the serpent to deceive Eve. Uh, the devil was trying to use Peter to keep Jesus from going to the cross. If Jesus didn't go to the cross, we would not be forgiven of our sins. There are people in our, in our lives that will come and they will be used as a tool of the devil. That person that tells you, let's go to this party. Let's go to this party, bro. Come on, let's, do, let's just smoke it up. Or let's just, you know, let's just let's take something, something. something man you think they're a tool of god or maybe you're that person bro maybe you're that person that you're saying come on man who are you a tool of are you with me you see, outside-the-box Christianity, outside-the-box faith understands that there's a war going on. And the war is for souls. Now, Jesus, he saw Peter, and he said, Peter, it's not you. When he talked about, you know, get behind these saying, he knew it wasn't Peter. But he, he helped Peter to understand that you need to discern the spiritual realm. Some people walk in the natural. Some people, this guy's so mean, this guy's this girl, so, you know, what she gossiped. You, you, you look at people, and everything's in the natural. Everything's, uh, you, look, their personalities. There, can I tell you, there is a spiritual dimension.
In Acts 8, Peter looks at Simon the sorcerer, and, he, and Simon says, I, I want to buy the, the Holy Spirit. I want to buy that gift. I want to buy everything you have. And, and Peter looked at him, and he said, you know what, you son of the devil? He said, may God forgive you for your heart. He, dis, he began to discern, and, and so you begin to understand that there's more going on. King Agrippa was a tool of the devil. Outside the box, faith discerns that there's an enemy who is dead set against us and the work of the church. And until you grab a hold of that, beloved, and let me tell you something, until you grab a hold of that, if you think that everything that's happening is because of your faults or because someone else's faults, and you don't understand that there's an enemy, you are setting yourself up for a lot of heartache. The Bible says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I can tell you that there's a war going on, and let me tell you, you're you're not going to win the war like this. You're not going to win the war like this. You're going to win the war like this. I need you, God. You're not going to come off of that that, that addiction. You're not going to come off of that habit. You're not going to come off of that like this, trying to beat it with your own strength. You're not going to beat it like that. You're going to beat it with him. It's not only Herod that wanted to destroy the church and Peter. It was the enemy, our enemy, and his entourage. So sometimes for sometimes we have to think outside the box without getting all weird and freaked out. Now let me tell you, I don't talk about demons all the time. I don't talk about the devil because I don't believe. I believe the Bible teaches us that we don't give him center stage in our life. We give Jesus center stage. I don't go around every day thinking, oh, there's a devil in that car, there's a devil in that, there's a devil, there's a devil, there's a devil. You know what? Wherever they are, they have no power over me. They have no authority over me. My authority comes from Christ. And Christ defeated the devil. He knocked the snot out of the devil at the cross. (laughs) Pastor, how do I apply this? What do I do? What do I do, Pastor? I'd say don't give the enemy center stage in your life because that belongs to Jesus but be aware that he's working to try to hinder your life as a Christian anyone here aware that the devil wants to destroy your life anyone aware that he wants to destroy your friends and family's life your young people's life that's Shauna and I How the devil's tried to destroy our lives and my kids' lives. He hates me. Sometimes when people say, you know, I don't know if I like that, Pastor. It's not me you don't like, bro. It's not me. It's the enemy working. 
I like the way that C.S. Lewis put it. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, humans, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That's an error. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and they hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. They applaud. <laughs> don't believe in me. When the devil hears, don't believe in me, he says, that's awesome. I'm going to work in your life. Or when they believe in, when they give him all the attention, he says, give it to me. Don't give it to Jesus. Point number two. Outside the box, faith is open to God's supernatural work. The church was birthed in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't man's idea. The, the Holy Spirit came as a rushing wind into the upper room where they were praying and they were filled with him and, and the Holy Spirit uttered through them and they began to speak in other languages. They began to speak in tongues and the Holy Spirit was moving and then people around them were impacted and they could not help being impacted because God was in We serve a supernatural God. That's why you can't put God in a box. That's why you don't do church your way. You do church His way. As long as you believe that God is, is not supernatural that, or is he's so far away and that you can't have this supernatural God relationship with him and in him, you will let the devil conquer you in everything you're going through. You'll never be able to overcome those things in your life. You have got to trust that God is bigger than anything we'll face. If we, if we would grab a hold of the reality that he transcends our abilities, our thoughts, our philosophies, our intelligence, and even our religion, if we can grab a hold of that thought that he, that he supersedes our abilities, everything that I can do, the things that I can do in my own strength, I don't need God. I need God in every aspect of my life. Because there are things that I can't do. But he can. Our thoughts are so limited. His thoughts are so far above. Our philosophies, you know, we philosophize things. Well, this is what I think is going to, this is the way it's supposed to happen and this and that. Can I tell you, our philosophies are so Limited. And our religion, we get stuck. Well, you know, we used to, 30 years back, we used to do it like this, or 15 years, or I remember this. Can I tell you? Get over the past, serve the God of the present. Yeah. 
As long as your thoughts and your philosophy and your wits and your religion, as long as you allow them to guide you, you're going to be in a box. And you'll never experience the God of the Bible. The scripture says that suddenly there was a bright light in the, in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. The chains fell off his wrist. Can I tell you that Peter once again, and I think it's for all of us to kind of grab a hold of Peter once again, he found that God is a supernatural God that can do things that we can't do. Peter was probably thinking, James just died. It's my turn. Can I tell you something? People die. People die for their faith. I'm talking about really gr brutal, gruesome. But that doesn't stop God from working. Peter got saved supernaturally. Later on, Paul and Silas would be imprisoned and they would have shackles on and they would, they didn't complain. Keep reading Acts. They didn't complain. They, they worshiped. They, they, they praised God. And the chains fell off. Can I tell you something, beloved? Some of us in here, those chains, those shackles that are on you right now, you know, can I tell you how you're going to break them? Worship. Worship. How many of you know who Stephen Baldwin is? He had a house here in Tucson. Outside of Tucson, I think. And got saved, gave his heart to Jesus. Actually, his maid brought him and his wife to Christ. He saw something in her that he said, I, I, I need that, that peace, that confidence. And then, and then Steve, Stephen Baldwin said this. He said, I am living and having supernatural experiences. A lot of people get really freaked out about that. I speak in tongues and I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this, because some of you guys are saying, oh, here, go, here goes tongues. Speaking in tongues is not the only way to experience the supernatural, but it definitely is mentioned in the book of Acts as an experience of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, because we can't do it in our own, in our own ability. And so you think, well, how do I apply this, Pastor? How, how, do, I, how do I put this into place? I would say this. This week, open up your heart and your life to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Don't get stuck in a humanistic box. Allow, allow God to open your supernatural eyes. Allow God, just like Paul, Paul was blinded by religion. He was blinded by the law. When those blinders came off, like scales came off of his eyes, he was open to the supernatural, and he began to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe someone in here, you need to, you need to let those scales come off. You need to open into, get out of that box and be open to the supernatural work of God. It'll change your whole experience. It'll change your whole life. It'll change your workplace. It'll change the way that you coach, that you teach. It'll change the way that you, that you uh, uh, apply things to your family and your friends. Point number three. Outside the box, faith understands that prayer will always usher in God's power. The Bible says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. You know what earnestly means? That just means you, 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 even if you're tired, you just keep on going. You just Earnestly. It's important. Prayer will always break down the walls of unbelief and open up the door of the miraculous power of God. Every major move of God is started in prayer. Jesus told the disciples, go into Jerusalem and pray and wait for the promise. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. When you pray, things happen in your life. God, things happen. A church who prays will always experience power. Living Word Chapel, you will, we will always experience the power of God if we pray. Walls come down and chains are broken through prayer. It's the greatest weapon that we have besides the Word of God. Look at Acts 4. It says, the disciples coming back, let me give you the background. The disciples coming back, they had been flogged, they had been beaten for preaching the, the word. And then, and then they come to the church and they say this. When they, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth, they rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was is in, is where his people are. You want your world to be shaken for good? Pray. Pray together as a church. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. You want to speak the word of God boldly? You want to be confident? Pray. So I was sitting... I can't get there yet. I can't go there. But I was sitting. Pause. 
pause. I'm sitting right now, but I'm going to go to that right now. You want to shake your church? What do we do? We pray. You want God to stir our community? What do we do? We pray. You want God to shake our nation? We pray. Do you want God to stir our world? We pray. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, prayer is a strong wall and a fortress of the church. It is a godly Christian weapon. Elizabeth or Elizabeth Elliot, she just passed away, great woman of God. Her husband took the gospel into uh, New Guinea. Papa New Guinea was killed by, by uh, the indigenous group there, speared. His wife went, with, went in there with the gospel and led them to the Lord. She said this, prayer lays hold of God's plan and it becomes a link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. Our prayers will take us out of our comfort zones and it, it will allow the, the Holy Spirit to lead us and more importantly, it will take us out of our box. It'll take God out of the box. It will allow the supernatural to begin to take place. Pastor, how do I apply this? What, what do I do? I say this week, pray with an openness to the supernatural work of God. Pray and be open to the supernatural work of God. So I was sitting this week. I don't know if you know this, but your pastor's world is pretty crazy. My brother's been with us for a while, and we're driving home. I mean, we're driving to the church at 6 a.m. yesterday, and and he tells Kenny and I, he says, do you guys ever sleep? And I told him, well, we'll have a lot of time to sleep one of these days, bro. So I got home a couple, this week, forget what day it was, and I sat there and I just, I just, I just started worshiping God. And I had some time with him. And I put some Jason Upton on. I was watching Jason Upton on, on YouTube, and that's one of my favorite worshipers. And, and he was talking about something. He was worshiping. He was just praising the Lord, and I was praising the Lord with him. And I was praising the Lord with my understanding. I was praising the Lord with, my, with the Spirit, and, which means I was speaking in tongues. I was worshiping him in tongues. And, and he said something that I just grabbed a hold of. It just rocked my world. He said that a pastor came to him, and you can start playing, Sean, if you, you want. You don't mind. Um, he's, uh, he says, you know, a, a Methodist pastor rocked my world because he came and talked to me when I was 21, and I was getting out of seminary, and, 
And, and, and, he, and he spoke to me, he said, be, he, said he, he gave me this scripture from uh, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. And he spoke that into his life. He said, be still and know that I am God. And Jason looked at him and he, and he was like, okay. And he said, be still and know that I am. And he looked at him and he said, okay. Be still and know that I Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still and. Be still. And then he said, Be. Be what? Exactly. Be. Be what? Be exactly who God called you to be. No one can answer that for you but God. Jason Upton has led millions of people to, in worship. In my life, God has progressively moved me forward, and he's not done until the day that I will not breathe anymore. I will be done. But he says, be who I called you to be. Get out of your box. Get God out of your box. He don't fit there. Let God be God. Can we do that on Father's Day? Can we let God change our lives and our hearts? Let's pray. God, forgive me when I limit your supernatural power and your abilities with my lack of faith. Forgive my humanistic thinking and my desire to put everything into my limited log logic. Thank you for your desire to expand my faith through your supernatural attributes. I choose this week to trust that you are working in my life in a way that is bigger than my understanding. Holy Spirit, I lift my hands up to you now. Fill my heart. Fill my heart with faith that believes that God is able. Jesus, you are able because your power is unlimited. So I place my faith, even if it's mustard seed-sized faith, in your name. 
the name that is above every name. My salvation is secure, secure in you, Lord. You died on the cross for all my faults and my transgressions. And now you've given me the Holy Spirit and empowered me to live a life of power and grace. And I receive it today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.